Chapter 4 of Police Your Planet by Lester Del Rey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 Captain Murdoch. The new assignment was to the roughest section in all Marsport. The slum area behind the dome, out near the rocket field. Here all the riffraff that had been unable to establish itself in better quarters had found some sort of a haven. At one time there had been a small dome and a tiny city devoted to the rocket field, but Marsport had flourished enough to kill it off. The dome had failed from neglect, and all the buildings inside had grown shabbier. Bruce Gordon was trapped. He couldn't break his job with the police. If he did, he'd be brought back as a criminal. Some of Mars' laws dated from the time when law enforcement had been hampered by lack of men, rather than by the type of men. The Stonewall Gang numbered perhaps 500. They hired out members of other gangs during the frequent wars. Between times, they picked up what they could by mugging and theft, with a reasonable amount of murder thrown in at a modest price. Even derelicts and failures had to eat. There were stories and shops throughout the district which eked out some kind of a marginal living. They were safe from protection racketeers there. None bothered to come so far out. And police had been taken off the beat there after it grew unsafe, even for men in pairs to patrol the area. The shopkeepers and some of the less unfortunate people there had protested loud enough to reach clear back to Earth. Marsport had hired a man from Earth to come in and act as a chief of the section. Captain Murdoch was an unknown factor, and now was asking for more men. The pressure was enough to get them for him. Gordon reported for work with a sense of the bottom falling out, mixed with a vague relief. You're going to be busy, Murdoch announced shortly in the dilapidated building that had been hastily converted to a precinct house. Damn it, you're men, not sharks. I've got a free hand, and we're going to run this the way we would on Earth. Your job is to protect the citizens here, and that means everyone not breaking the laws. Whether you feel like it or not, no graft. The first man making a shakedown will get the same treatment we're going to use on the Stonewall boys. You'll get double pay here, and you can live on it. He opened up a box on his desk and pulled out six heavy wooden sticks, each thirty inches long and nearly two inches in diameter. There was a shaped grip on each, with a throng of leather to hold it over the wrist. He picked out five of the men, including Gordon. You five will come with me. I'm going to show you how we operate. The rest of you can team up any way you want tonight. Pick any route that's open. Okay, men, let's go. Bruce Gordon grinned slowly as he swung the stick, and Murdoch's eyes fell on him. Earth cop? Two years, Gordon admitted. Then you should be ashamed to be in this mess. But whatever your reasons, you'll be useful. Take those two and give them some lessons, while I do the same with these. For a second, Gordon cursed himself. Murdoch had fixed it so he'd be a squad leader, and that meant he'd be unable to step out of line. 
at double standard pay with normal Mars expenses. He might be able to pay his passage back to Earth in three years, if security let him. Otherwise, it would take thirty. He began wondering about security then. Nobody had tried to get in touch with him. Were they waiting for him to stand up on a soapbox? There was a crude lighting system here, put up by the citizens. At the front of each building, a dim phosphor bulb glowed. When darkness fell, they would have nothing else to see by. Murdoch bunched them together. A good clubbing beats hanging, he told them. But it has to be good. Go in for business, and don't stop just because the other guy quits. Give them hell. Moving in two groups of threes, at opposite sides of the street, they began their beat. They were covering an area of six blocks one way, and two the other. They had traveled the six blocks and were turning down a side street when they found their first case. It was still daylight. Two of the Stonewall boys were working over a tall man in a newer air suit. As the police swung around, one of the thugs casually ripped the air suit open. A thin screech like a whistle came from Murdoch's Mars speaker, and the captain went forward, with Gordon at his heels. The hoodlums tossed the man aside easily and let out a yell. From the buildings around, an assortment of toughs came at the double, swinging knives, picks, and bludgeons. There was no chance to save the citizen who was dying from lack of air. Gordon felt the solid pleasure of the finely turned club in his hands. It was light enough for speed, but heavy enough to break bones where it hit. A skilled man could knock a knife or even a heavy club out of another's hand with a single flick of the wrist, and he'd had practice. He saw Murdoch's club dart in and take out two of the gang, one on the forward swing, one on the recover. Gordon's eyes popped at that. The man was totally unlike a Martian captain, and a knot of homesickness for Earth ran through his stomach. He swallowed the sentiment. His own club was moving now. Standing beside Murdoch, they were moving forward. The other four cops had come in reluctantly. Knock them out and kick them down, Murdoch yelled, and don't let them get away. Murdoch was after a thug who was attempting to run away. He brought him to the ground with a single blow across the kidneys. It was soon over. They rounded up the men of the gang, and one of the cops started off. Murdoch called, Where are you going? To find a phone and call the wagon. We're not using wagons, Murdoch told him. Line them up. When the hoods came to, they found themselves helpless and facing police with clubs. If they tried to run, they were hit from behind. If they stood still, they were clubbed carefully. If they fought back, the pugnaciousness was knocked out of them at once. Murdoch indicated one who stood with his shoulders shaking and tears running down his cheeks. The captain's face was as sick as Gordon's felt. Take him aside. Names. Gordon found a section away from the others. I want the name of every man in the gang you can remember, he told the man. Horror shot over the other's bruised features. Colonel, they'd kill me. I don't know. His screams were almost worse than the beating, but names began to come. 
Gordon took them down, and then returned with the man to the others. Murdoch took his nod as evidence enough, and turned to the wretched Tufts. He squealed, he announced. If he should turn up dead, I'll know you boys are responsible, and I'll find you. Now get out of this district, or get honest jobs, because every time one of my men sees one of you, this will happen again. And you can pass the word along that the Stonewall Gang is dead. He turned and moved off down the street, the others at his side. Gordon nodded. I've heard the theory, but never saw it in practice. Suppose the whole gang jumps us at once. Murdoch shrugged. Then we're taken. The old book I got the idea from didn't mention that. Trouble began brewing shortly after, though. Men stood outside, studying the cops on their beats. Murdoch sent one of the men to pick up a second squad of six, and then a third. After that, the watchers began to melt away. We'd better shift to another territory, Murdoch decided. Gordon realized that the gang had figured that concentrating the police here meant other territories would be safe. Two more groups were given the treatment. In the third one, Bruce Gordon spotted one of the men who'd been beaten before. He was a sick-looking spectacle. Murdoch nodded. Object lesson. The one good thing about the captain, Gordon decided, was that he believed in doing his own dirtiest work. When he was finished, he turned to two of the other captives. Get a stretcher and take him wherever he belongs, he ordered. I'm leaving you two able to walk for that. But if you get caught again, you'll get still worse. The squad went in, tired and sore. All had taken a severe beating in the brawls. But there was little grumbling. Gordon saw grudging admiration in their eyes for Murdoch, who had taken more punishment than they had. Gordon rode back in the official car with Murdoch, and both were silent most of the way. But the captain stirred finally, sighing. Poor devils. Gordon jerked up in surprise. The gang? No. The cops they're giving me. We're covered, Gordon. But the Stonewall gang is backing Wayne. He's let me come in because he figures it will get him more votes. But afterwards, he'll have me out, and then the boys with me will be marked for the gang when it comes back. Besides, it'll show on the books that they didn't kick into his fund. I can always go back to Earth, and I'll try to take you along but it's going to be tough on them. Bruce Gordon grimaced. I've got a yellow ticket from security. Murdoch blinked. He dropped his eyes slowly. So you're that, Gordon. But you're still a good cop. They rode on further in silence, until Gordon broke the ice to ease the tension. He found himself liking the other. What makes you think Wayne will be re-elected? Nobody wants him except a gang of crooks and those in power. Murdoch grinned bitterly. Ever see a Martian election? No, you're a firster. He can't lose. And then hell is going to pop. And this whole planet may be blown wide open. It fitted with the dire predictions of security. 
and what the spying Gordon was going to do according to them. He discussed it with Mother Corey, who agreed that Wayne would be re-elected. Can't lose, the old man said. He was getting even fatter, now that he was eating better food from the fair restaurant around the corner. He'll win, Mother Corey repeated, and you'll turn honest all over now you're in uniform. Take me, Cobber. I figured on laying low for a while, then opening up a few rooms for a good pusher or two. Maybe a high-class duchess. Cost them more, but they'd be respectable. Only now I'm respectable myself. They don't look so good. But this honesty stuff, it's like dope. You start out on a little, and you have to go all the way. It didn't affect honest Izzy, Gordon pointed out. Nope, because Izzy is always honest, according to how he sees it. But you got earth ideas of the stuff, like I had once. Too bad, he sighed ponderously. The week moved on. The groups grew more experienced, and Murdoch was training a new squad every night. Gordon's own squad was equipped with shields now, and they were doing better. The number of muggings and hold-ups in the section was going down. They seldom saw a man after he'd been treated. One of the squads was jumped by a gang of about forty, and two of the men were killed before the nearest other squad could pull a rear attack. That day the whole force worked overtime, hunting for the men who had escaped, and by evening the Stonewall boys had received proof that it didn't pay to go against the police in large numbers. After that, they began to go hunting for the members of the gang. They had the names of nearly all of them, and some pretty good ideas of their hideouts. It wasn't exactly legal, but nothing was here. If a doctor's job was to prevent illness instead of merely curing it, then why shouldn't it be a policeman's job to prevent crime? Here, that was best done by wiping out the Stonewall gang to the last member. This could lead to abuses, as he'd seen on Earth, but there probably wouldn't be time for it if Mayor Wayne was re-elected. The gang had begun to break up, but the nucleus would be the last to go. The police had orders to beat any member on sight. Now, citizens were appearing on the streets at night, for the first time in years, and there were smiles. Hungry, beaten smiles, but still genuine ones for the cops. End of chapter 4